our Bibles together and turn to the book of Matthew with one another. Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5. We have been going through together uh, what has been called the Beatitudes, but uh, also we understand it's Jesus' teaching and or that Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, but we've entitled the subject for these messages, Becoming the Happiest Person on Earth. Becoming the happiest person on earth. Uh, how does one do that? Uh, how can we truly define someone who is that happiest person on earth? We've talked about uh, in the past few weeks people that have been considered to be the happiest individual. Places to go that is the happiest, uh, considered to be the happiest of all places. Um, I was looking up yet another list of uh, some of the most enjoyable things a person can do. Uh, now, it doesn't take a lot to search this. You just put it in Google, right? And uh, these are some things, okay? Give you seven different things. Some of the most enjoyable things that a person can do. Uh, one of them is listening to an old song that you have memories attached to. That can be quite enjoyable. Uh, uh, finally buying that thing for which you have been saving for so long. <laughs> you know, uh, finally you got it, right? Uh, maybe it's a new water heater or something, but uh, still, you got it, right? Uh, a... Um, a um, uh, message or email of salary being credited to your bank account. That's always a good feeling too, right? You know, I've got paid today. Right? Um, uh, getting into a warm blanket on a cold winter day. Uh, that's, a, that's a good happy feeling when you know that you're nice and cozy under the blankets. Uh, spending some time with good friends. It's always uh, good for the heart, as they say. Uh, watching a, a big game. Huskers game, right? Maybe playing or losing to Ireland or something like that, right? I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, watching a big game together, or uh, uh, or I, I thought this one was a good one, or hugging a child. You know, there's something about uh, hugs from a child or smiles from a child that's just like, man, can you really just think of anything more enjoyable? But I tell you, truthfully, there is. And the Bible tells us of that blessed life. And we understand the entirety of the context, as we know context determines the meaning. The entirety of the context of these beginning passages, uh, verses in this passage of Scripture, is God referencing that blessed life and or the Christian life, the life that is lived with Christ. But we see yet further that, that, uh, that, that another layer of teaching is being taught by God, and we, we're not trying to... Uh, recreate the text, but rather take Scripture for what it says and understand that th this is what God is trying to teach us. Uh, we find Jesus not just speaking his own words as though he's written up some uh, interesting outline, but in fact, he's actually quoting Scripture in much of this uh, sermon which he's giving. And could I say to you, a, a message from the Word of God is not truly a message from God's Word if it does not include Scripture. Uh, if it's all simply containing uh, the, the, the glow and the, the glamour of a speech. Now, I'm not against illustrations, by the way. Uh, you know, a, um, uh, Jesus was the master of illustrations. And there's a power, there's power in a good illustration given. 
but the word of God uh, must be contained within. And we looked at that last week as we looked in verse number 5 last week of the meek that inherit the earth in his quotation from Psalm 37, uh, delighting ourselves also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That happiness that is found in God is that uh, happiness that is content with all that God desires for us to be and desires to do within our life. And if you'd like to go back and hear those messages, you can online. But uh, we come to the verse this morning in verse number 6. The Word of God tells us uh, in this verse, and I'll read it through the first time, and then we'll read it through together the second time. The Word of God says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Gracious Father, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for your continual love, mercy, and grace. And we thank you as we've sung to you this morning. We've, uh, we've, heard, we've heard testimony of your work this morning. We pray uh, that now at this time that you would speak to our hearts, that you would uh, bring our minds in focus. May we uh, work to do just that ourselves. May we set aside the distractions. Uh, may we uh, engage our hearts to what you would have for us. Lord, I pray that you'd give me the words to say. Help me uh, to uh, remain humble before you that it's not, this is not what I have to say, but Lord, truly it is what your word says. And so, Lord, I pray uh, that you would give me uh, clarity of speech and of thought and that you would bring to our understanding what you would have for us this morning. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of God says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Before we consider those words hunger and thirst, let us first consider what is righteousness? What is righteousness? The Word of God tells us uh, in, in, in Scripture that as we study that text, it's literally speaking of a condition which is, is acceptable to God. One of integrity, one of virtue, one of purity of life. One that is living and striving to live a life as God has commanded us to live and one that is honorable to God hungering and thirsting for a righteous life, for righteousness. Uh, boy, if you talk about one powerful point uh, that, that Jesus is now bringing from verse 6, uh, this should be one of those because how often do we truly hunger and thirst after the things of God, after a condition which is acceptable before God? Are you with me this morning? I know we've got distractions here and there. How often do we engage our heart and our mind and our schedule <laughs> that it would pursue righteousness? Uh, we talked about this morning in Sunday school, uh, God's intent for the Christian to be perfected. And that perfecting of the saints is not God uh, saying that you will become perfect or that you can be perfect. Because as long as we're sinners on this earth, we will always uh, be, go towards our sin nature, if not through and for the power of the Holy Spirit working through us in obedience to His Word. But the Bible tells us that we are to go on into perfection, that we are to seek that point of maturity, maturing, growing in our Christian life, progressing. We may not, uh, I say may, we will not reach the point of perfection on this earth. Now praise the Lord, someday we will, amen, with the Lord. But on this earth we will not. The Bible tells us 
that that should be the pursuit. You know, I think the, that it's, it's it, um, before we would consider this righteous lifestyle, we must consider what I believe to be the ultimate meaning for which God is giving these words, and that's that righteous life and or the just life, the justified life, the individual that gives their life to God and therefore becomes a child of God. Or I remind you the very fact that a child of God is not defined by that which we do, but it's defined by simply a faith put in Christ. And I say what we do, not by our works. Amen? Your salvation in God is not defined by how many good things and how much service you are doing towards others, and for that matter, even towards God. The Bible tells us we don't have to work our way to heaven. The Bible does not tell us that we have to uh, do a number of things in order to be justified in the eyes of God. The Bible tells us that by grace are we saved through faith. That if we, the Word of God tells us, confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in, the, in our heart that God hath raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that we can be saved. The Bible tells us say, it's a realization, an acknowledgement of our sin. That when we realize our condition, that we are unworthy and that God is worthy, and that He has made a way of salvation possible for us, that we can receive that gift of eternal salvation. And by the way, it is eternal, praise the Lord. It's forever. We can receive that gift of eternal salvation by faith alone. But I say to you this morning that the Word of God tells us in Romans chapter 1, we receive God by faith, but we are, we are to be continuing to live the Christian life through faith. We live a life from faith to faith. And if we were to dig down a little bit deeper in the general sense of that word faith, we would find that word righteousness that Jesus is speaking of. That condition of life which is acceptable to God. My goal this morning is not to list off to you a number of sins. Yet at the same time, not to, I, I, my goal is not to speak to you in a general sense. But let me say to you, if you are a child of God this morning, you know that which is acceptable before Him. Amen? We know that which is acceptable before Him. And if you don't know, you're not reading your, word, your Bible. You're not reading God's Word. The Bible tells us how, and, and shows us how we are to live our life in obedience to Him. But I say to you, when we come back to the topic of this morning, uh, what defines the happiest person on earth? How do we become that happiest individual on earth? Well, God promises happiness to the individual who hungers and thirsts after a life that is acceptable before God, after righteousness. I say to you, number one, that which defines the happiest person on earth is one who has a pursuit of righteousness. I want us to consider that pursuit. The, 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 the thought this morning is not meant to go above our heads, but to understand that when the Word of God tells us of this happy life. It's one that is sought after. It's one that's sought after. One with urgency. Look with me in John chapter 4, if you would. John chapter 4. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but John chapter 4 and verse number 14. The pursuit of righteousness is that first beginning of an understanding of all that God is and 
for that matter, in black and white, becoming a Christian. You know, I mentioned it already, but uh, truthfully, society today and, and religion has so redefined what it means to be a Christian. In many ways, to use the word Christian is so flippantly used, does it really define in our society, at least here in America, right, Brother Kenny? Uh, does it really define um, uh, the, um, the, who God intends for us to be as his people? Um, anybody can say that they're a Christian. Anybody can tell you that you've become a Christian. But the word of God is what defines for us what it means to receive Christ. And when Jesus is speaking here in Matthew chapter 5, uh, I believe we see much of that reference as we find in John chapter 4 of that hunger and that thirst, that, that coming to a realization that you need Christ and therefore that you are a Christian. Let us understand this morning that if we are to have a pursuit for righteousness, we must first, under, we must first realize that we are, and we know without any doubt, that we are truly a Christian. That we are, uh, without any doubt in our mind, going to spend all eternity with God in heaven. John 4, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You remember that woman at the well. When she heard of the water which Jesus spoke of, she desired to have it, but she was thinking of a literal physical thirst. I say to you this morning that society in itself manufactures our minds to think in such a way, for the non-Christian to think in such a way that I need to hunger and thirst and or pursue certain things in order to fulfill happiness in my life. But I say to you this morning, that this pursuit of righteousness is one that is a pursuit for a true righteousness, a life with Christ, that eternal life. All of us uh, are pursuing something, and, and uh, you're here this morning, and, and maybe you're just hungry and thirsting for something you don't know what you're looking for. Could I ask you this morning, have you received Christ? Do you know that if you were to die today that you would spend all eternity with him? The Bible tells us there's that well that's springing up of everlasting life. Jesus speaks of himself yet again in John chapter 6 as being the bread of life. One that if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. We see God as the one who gives to us that everlasting life. And we understand that pursuit of righteousness was the very time before you came to know Christ and you came to an understanding of who he is and you came to an understanding of your sin and your need for him. That day in, in your life that you confessed your sin before God. You admitted that you were a sinner and you received him into your life. And from that day forward, now you are living a new life in Christ. That was that original pursuit of that true righteousness. Of that righteousness that is found through God and God alone. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, the Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The Lord promises a happy life to those who pursue righteousness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I say to you, that brings us to our second point this morning. Where there's a pursuit for righteousness, there should be that yearning for righteousness. The hunger and thirst first began when you were seeking God. 
And God, as we would say, brought you unto himself. God uh, saved you. God does the saving, amen? God saved you and your life changed. But a yearning. A yearning. Do you yearn? Do you hunger? Do you thirst? Do you crave? Do you desire above anything else for your life that it would be acceptable unto God? Righteousness, the Bible says. Blessed is the man or the woman who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. In Psalm 42 and verse 1 and 2, the word of God says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? We find the psalmist himself with a desire of seeking God. Psalm 84 and verse 2, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out, for the living God. I think it's fair to say that very few of, few of us today really truly know what it means to hunger and to thirst for something. We live in a really blessed country. Amen? We truly do. Uh, not, not a day goes by where we don't eat something and fulfill our hunger in some way. Even if it's a small snack or a candy bar or even if it's a, a, a 25 cent bubble gum, we have access to about anything we want to as, as some form of of, of, of quenching a hunger and a thirst and desire. The very context in which Jesus is speaking here is as one who is starving. One who has nothing else. There's, there's a pain within my own gut because I don't have. There's a continual hunger which remains because it cannot be fulfilled. It's really, if you, as you would study uh, even the people at this time, and the way in which Jesus is using these words, uh, he's speaking in reference to the very fact uh, of the wages and the income uh, of that which many would have received, if they even received some. Very likely some were, were, were servants and slaves that were, that were hearing Jesus speak, and, and, and yet, for all what income they did have, there was never truly a satisfaction to their physical stomach. But it was Jesus who was presenting to them a satisfaction through Christ. A hunger and a thirst that, that can be quenched and fulfilled through God and through God alone. The Bible tells us of that hunger and that thirst. Happy is the man who is equally strong in their desire to be like God. Is that your desire? That we would be holy as He is holy? That we would be acceptable in the eyes of God? In Job chapter 23 and verse 13, Job says this, he says, I have esteemed thy words, the words of His mouth, God's words. I have esteemed them. I desire them. I have considered them greater than even my own necessary food, than that which I eat on a daily basis. Christian, I say to you, we eat three meals a day without any consideration of the fact that I'm going to skip this meal. But do we so crave and feed ourselves and thirst and fill ourselves 
with righteousness. It's not my place to, uh, to, to define for you, you know, uh, how much of filthy, rotten, dirty sinners we all are because truthfully we all are. I don't need to define it for you. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all know that we have sin and that if without Christ and a pursuit of Christ and that, uh, that striving to go on into perfection as God tells us in His Word. And if it's not through the Holy Spirit's work in our life to come to that point that He would uh, bring us to the point that we can live righteously before Him, that there would, no be, no, there would be no other purpose in living life <laughs> if life was pursued for simply satisfaction of things on this earth. Could I remind you today that nothing on this earth will last for all eternity? Nothing. Your job, your car, our own families, our own life. The most enjoyable things of life will not last. The greatest joy in all this world, the greatest blessing we have to look forward to is a life together with God. But why would we not seek to live righteously for God in this earth when we know that we already are declared righteous before God in heaven? Amen? The Bible tells us in the eyes of God, we are justified. God sees us just as though we have never committed any sin at all. We're justified in the eyes of God. But do we strive to live justified? Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are we striving to live the life of sanctification? God sanctifies us in His eyes, but what we must choose to live that life. Jeremiah 15, verse 16, the Word of God says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Let me ask you, Christian, how desirous are you of the Word of God? How desirous are you of the Word of God? Do you, do you crave and desire to get into God's Word? 1 Peter 2 and verse 1 through 3, the Word of God says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may, what? Grow thereby. I say to you, we know these verses. We've memorized these verses. But do we live with a continual yearning for righteousness? There's nothing else I desire to have more. Somebody says, I need coffee right now. I'm yearning for coffee. <laughs> somebody says, well, I need to eat right now. I'm starving. I didn't get my break today. <laughs> you know? uh, so, somebody says, well, honey, are you going to cook something, right? There's nothing to eat in the fridge. Do we so come before God? God, I'm starving. <laughs> I need your word. God, I need that satisfaction I'm, that, that I would live for you today to find a quenched thirst, to find a fulfilled hunger through an acceptable life before you. You see, that life in pursuit of righteousness, we find it in the Word of God, we find it in our, in our daily living. And you know, I say to you again, that it's not that God is expecting perfection. But it's that our heart would so yearn. Listen to this, and I want you to hear it just for the sake of understanding uh, what, what we're, we're talking about here. David himself, you read in, in 
1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings of the, the life of David and becoming who we know him to be, the king. One of the greatest desires of David's heart was to build the temple. Now that never actually took place in David's life. He never was able to do it. But in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 18, here's what the Word of God says, And the Lord said unto David, My father, whereas it was in thine heart to build an house unto my name, listen to this, thou didst well that it was in thine heart. That thou didst well that it was in thine heart. Let me ask you, Christian, is it in your heart that you so yearn for righteousness? The things of this earth will pass away. I'm not telling you to quit all of life. It's not me who's telling you. God tells us, do we hunger and thirst? Is our heart yearning for it? I say to you lastly, there should be a continuation in righteousness. In verse 6 of chapter 5, as we've already read, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. John 6 and verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. God emphasizes only one work and or labor that every follower, disciple of Christ is to do. And that's the work of faith. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory for every man. The righteous life, which is being spoken of here in Scripture, is one that's not living for any other desire, not seeking to fulfill any temptation, not, not, not uh, making God as we say secondary, but not even giving God a number. He's simply before all things. The hunger, the thirst, the pursuit of righteousness. As I think, I thought about this passage in my own life, I, I think about how easy it is to hunger and thirst for all those happy things. Life truly is enjoyable. Amen? There are some truly enjoyable things in life. Satisfying things in life. There are some truly memorable uh, things that we never want to forget about. And it is so of Satan to take the things of this world, even those good things, to convince us that this is the life worth living now. And that we're already declared righteous before God. So when we come to go to be together with Christ, well, we can live that righteous life then. Christian, what are we doing for Christ today in our own life? Are we yearning? I say to you, God is not looking for some achievement. It's easy for it to be taken such a way that, you know, well, pastors just expect me to do more and do this and do that. No. God is expecting us to have a right heart. And if we have a right heart, everything else will fall into place. Because out of the heart are the issues of life. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It's the heart that God's looking for to be acceptable before Him. It's too often that we fulfill 
the righteousness, the righteous life. We fulfill what is expected of us, but the heart condition is not what it should be. I just read it, just quoted it a moment ago, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. What is your life flowing abundantly pouring out? It is so easy to sit in a church service and let it just be a service. And let it just be pastors preaching today and then when I get home, then Mondays, oh, I got a holiday, but Tuesday I go right back to work and we just continue each day like the week was prior to that without any hunger, without any thirst. I think Brother, uh, Brother Kenny put it a very interesting way, but a very fair way. It's easy uh, for someone like he or me to say because in, in the very essence of the way, uh, we get paid to do what we do. It's hard to do what you do because you're already working. You're already doing something. But do we hunger and thirst for it? Um, the Holy Spirit helps to, um, to be given, when given His rightful place, helps to bring us to that right heart before God. I think if we truly understood what it means to hunger and thirst, we'd be drawn to tears. We'd be begging. We'd be crying out. We'd be crying for help. We'd be scrounging. We'd be doing all we can to fulfill that hunger. And this is the context in which Jesus is writing. As the day in which you saw that you needed God, I say to you this morning, do you so desire God today? That where you once, there was that pursuit for him, you found him. Praise the Lord for that. Truthfully, Jesus found you. But you, you, you found him. Is there a yearning? And if we're living that blessed, happy life as the happiest individual life, we're going to be continuing with a hunger and a thirst. You know, that's why, truthfully, uh, people would fast. In Scripture, people do it today, but I wouldn't say it's quite as common by any means. It was that I'm going to allow my physical hunger to yearn in order and so that my spiritual hunger for God can increase. Because if there's one thing that we are always satisfying, doesn't matter what you like to do as a hobby, doesn't matter what you like to, to do as, as a family or whatever, we're always satisfying the stomach. But are we yearning, hungry, and thirsting after righteousness? Let's every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to invite you to the invitation this morning to come and talk with the Lord. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. I've said.